The Journal of Clinical Nutrition has compiled some interesting facts and figures as it relates to America's ability to lose weight. The publication compiled some responses and some results from national volunteers, and here are some of their most interesting tidbits. After at least one year, 35% of people regained approximately 5 pounds. Meanwhile, 59% of people maintained their same weight, and only 6% of people continuously continued to lose weight. Which causes us to ask a very probing but important question. Where's the disconnect in Americans' desire to lose and maintain their weight loss versus their actual results? Lizzie Merritt helps people to discover their missing piece behind their weight loss, the missing piece behind their ears, a peek behind the curtain of your own brain for peace over your body. Merit is a Martha Beck certified Wayfinder life coach and professional weight loss coach specializing in helping people figure out why they don't do the things necessary to lose weight and feel happier. Her philosophy when it comes to health and fitness comes down to three simple steps which Merit took some time out at the beginning of her week to share with me as she paid a visit to the program to talk about the intricacies of losing weight, building confidence, and having the wherewithal to celebrate our body image, figure, and the way we mentally and physically think of ourselves. Are you ready to have a positive and uplifting conversation about weight loss and its positive effects? If you answered yes, you're in the right place. So without further delay, I'm Kevin McShane. Let's have this conversation. Thank you. Happy Monday to you too. It's a pleasure to be here. I I am so grateful to, to to be here. Absolutely. Now, Lizzie, I wanted to start our conversation by asking you about helping your clients 
sort of put the weight loss puzzle together because you said that uh, when you first start working with your clients, they're so uh, consumed about living life and fitting in and they don't necessarily uh, put uh, their weight loss journey at the top of their to-do list. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about all the great work that you do. Oh, thank you so much. Well, um, in a nutshell, basically, I help people who know all the things that they're supposed to do to help them lose weight, um, but they struggle to actually do it. I, I help them figure out what are the obstacles getting in the way. And, um, you know, it seems like I, I remember so vividly when um, a client said to me, you know, I've tried this diet and that diet, and basically I've been trying to lose weight for 25 years or so, and I'm just so tired of waiting to participate in my life until after I lose weight. And it, it really struck me that we spend so much time fixating on, you know, trying to get to the perfect size and we, we don't spend enough time being the size we are now and, and realizing and appreciating the, the beauty of life as it is while also wanting to strive to, to be a little healthier. Yeah, absolutely. And you uh, tell me, Lizzie, that your philosophy on weight loss comes down to yeah, basically my philosophy on weight loss is that uh, what's between your ears is much more important than what's on your plate. And so if there was uh, three specific principles, I would say that the way you talk to yourself um, matters so much. Um, it's, it's very, very, it's not just nice to have you know, to kind of celebrate your wins along the way, but it's actually crucial to focus on the progress you're making rather than waiting until you've reached some goal. And um, and then finally to, to have self-compassion because every single one of us is gonna have mistakes and slip ups along the way. And to view those, those mistakes as um, learning opportunities as a friend rather than a failure. Yeah, and listen, I'm wondering if we can dive into the subject of happiness, because you also say that people tend to put happiness on the other side of the finish line. And, you know, I, I always say that you can't sort of serve other people until you serve your individual self. So tell me about how we can get happiness on the other side of the finish line, in your opinion. Yeah, that's such a great question. And actually, um, Harvard researcher Sean Acor wrote a book called The Happiness Advantage, and he talks about how we put our happiness on the other side of a finish line, whether it's like, I'll be happy when I get the, the promotion, or I'll be happy when I lose weight. And what's interesting about that is our brains get good at what we practice. And in that scenario, we're practicing putting our happiness out there into, into someday, into tomorrow, but we never practice feeling happy today. So you can operate that way, but when you get to the finish line, you get the job, you, you lose the weight, et cetera, your brain doesn't know how to feel happy today because you have practiced happiness is out there. It's tomorrow, it's on the horizon. And so the goalpost moves. Um, and so the way to flip that is to focus on how can I bring the feeling I want into my day today how can i bring like if 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 i feel like i'm going to be happy when i lose weight well what is it what is it that losing weight is going to make me feel maybe it's going to make me feel confident maybe it's going to make me feel worthy 
well, how can I bring that feeling into today? How can I look for examples of that in my life today in little, little ways as I'm working towards my kind of finish line goal of losing the weight? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's, let's now talk about this sort of shifting the psychological mindset when it comes to losing weight. Because, you know, you know, it's kind of the mind over matter principle in my view. So I'm curious about how you help people shift their mindsets and really put them in a, in a space where they truly believe they can be the champion of their own weight loss. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a good question because one of the things that I find frustrating about diets is, well, there's two things, you know, number one, they say like, just, just follow these simple steps and you'll lose weight. And if it were so simple, why is it so hard? And what I find frustrating about diets is they, they, it's like the, the iceberg the, the, their little steps are just the tip of the iceberg and they don't deal with all the emotional and mental components underneath it. And to your question, what I would say is we need to normalize all of the, the challenges that we have with following the diet simple steps. That's normal. It actually goes against the way our brains are wired to, to change lots of things all at once. Um, and instead, I, would, I, I help my clients to look at the, the smallest little bits of changes that their, their brain and their subconscious mind can feel comfortable with. It doesn't feel like a massive change. It doesn't you know, set off the alarm bells of fight or flight within the subconscious mind. And what that does is it allows for small change, but it also allows you to feel successful with little things rather than I've got to accomplish, you know, a massive change in order to and get it perfectly in order to get it right. It's more, let's strive for imperfection, but let's be imperfect consistently. Uh, well, a lot of Constant battles against consistency, isn't it? Yeah, it's and and that's that's one of the things that um, can make diets so difficult is because they they ask for big changes. It's hard to keep up with that, and so my approach is to ask for small changes and make it small enough and easy enough that it is easy to stick with consistently. Yeah, absolutely. Lizzie, I'm curious to ask you about how you would define a champion of good health. What do you think it means to be a champion of good health? That's a good question. In my opinion, it differs for each person. Um, you know, certainly there are you know medical standards of good health and so forth, but for each individual person, I think they get to define what does healthy mean for them. So, for example, uh, you know a a bodybuilder may never have white flour or sugar, and that is healthy to them. For myself, I have sugar and I have white flour somewhat frequently. And it's, I think it's a, the champion of good health is what does healthy mean to me? What is, what is the lifestyle that I enjoy that can also allow me to have the physical health um, and vitality that I, I desire? Yeah, so absolutely. The balance. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, Lizzie, I'm going to share just a little bit about myself personally. Anyone that watches or listens to my podcast knows that I was born with what's called a spastic quadriplegia cerebral palsy, and I've sort of dedicated every aspect of my adult life to 
making things more inclusive. I have a background in inclusive employment and helping individuals with disabilities find work. But I, I, I'm curious to ask you, how do we make um, um, health more inclusive and more, more accepting for more people? Because, you know, um, the type of cerebral palsy I was born with, it's one of the most severe forms of cerebral palsy uh, that you can have. And if I uh, don't prioritize health and fitness, my muscles uh, contract faster than most people. So uh, I'm fascinated to ask you, what do you think it means to make health and wellness more, in more inclusive for more people? Yeah, thank you for that question. And also thank you for what you do. Um, in, in my opinion, each person has their their own you know, needs and there is no one size fits all program, um, which can, you know, that can be a major downfall of kind of one size fits all programs. And so I think the way to make things more inclusive is to um, tailor to the individual. And so, you know, what what are your needs? What are you capable of? And so if there's, you know, if you're striving for more movement, but you're chair bound, like let's figure out ways that you can, um, you know, do the movement that is um, available to you. If you're striving for healthier foods, but you live in a, an urban community that doesn't have great access, you know, what are, what is the healthiest option available? And so it's, instead of rules to follow, it's more tailored uh, specifics to what is what is the nature of your situation and how can we adjust it to you rather than make you adjust to the guidelines or the rules of some of a, you know a diet or a program yeah absolutely and you brought something up in your last answer that piqued my interest so i'll follow up with this in terms of asking you about health uh, care equity and equality because as you know as a healthcare professional there aren't always access to the greatest health care depending on the communities that we live in. So tell me about how we can close the health care equity and equality uh, gap and how do you think it's interconnected to weight loss as well? Oh gosh, what a question. <laughs> I think if I knew the answer, uh, you know, perhaps uh, I would run for office. Um, I think that the ways to, to close the, the healthcare equity gap is to um, you know make it more available to to everyone at you know a, a lower cost or, or, or no cost, and so that the the um, access is is equal for for all parties. Um, and how does that apply to weight loss? I think that there's. I think that the the diet industry does us a disservice because you know back a minute ago when I said like it says just follow these these simple rules to help you lose weight. Well, number one, not everyone is able to necessarily follow those rules based on their you know their their food or exercise that is available to them. But number two, when we can't when we struggle to follow the rules, we feel like we're the problem. And if I'm the problem, well then it's a lot easier just to give up because you know I must be broken. And so I, I like, I would want the diet industry to shift their focus away from just do this and more focus on when you struggle, 
here's some tools to help you because all of us struggle. All of us have times when we don't want to follow the rules of the diet. And so I would, I would want to normalize this, the struggle and allow for that, that feeling of you're not the problem. The diet is the problem. Yeah, absolutely. And Lizzie, I know that you wrote a book to talk about the emotional and mental side of weight loss and helping people through that. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about the book that you wrote, why you wrote it, and uh, the process of getting it published. Because I know getting a book published isn't the easiest thing in the world to do. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about that journey as well. Sure. Thank you, Kevin. So the book is called You Are a Miracle, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Body Too. And I, I wrote it to help people understand and, and appreciate just the miracle that you are, that your body is. I mean, if you think about all of the amazing processes that your body does every day, you know, if you, if you get a cut, your body heals itself. Um, if you've had a child, your body knew how to uh, create a whole new human from, from just two cells. And there's so many miraculous things that our bodies do all the time. And we, we spend very little time appreciating the miracle that we are. And we spend a lot of our time wishing we were different. And so I wanted to write a book that could help someone uh, feel a love and appreciation for themselves while also normalizing it and making it um, okay to lose weight and, and address the, the mental and emotional struggles with losing weight, like you know self-sabotage or when I struggle to change my habits, why does that happen? Or um, when I want to eat my feelings, um, all those kinds of things are things that I address in the book because I think that those are the obstacles that get in the way uh, of losing weight. And so I wanted to help people with the real challenges of weight loss rather than just another set of rules to follow. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, let's dive into the emotional side of it because, you know, losing weight, can be an emotional journey for some, but I also think it can be uh, a more emotionally rewarding as well. So when it comes to weight loss, how do you think we can achieve emotional fulfillment? Yeah, thank you for asking that. You know, one of the first chapters in the book is, um, each chapter is called how to, what have you, like, you know, how to stop eating your feelings. And one of the first chapters is how to feel enough. And many of us, feel like weight loss is um, a ticket to our worthiness that, you know, I, I, it, it, body shape is a, uh, is highly um, valued in our society these days. And so when I, I talk about how our worthiness, our enoughness is not found in the scale, it's found within you with, you know, within your own heart and soul. And so, that's a place to start. Um, then when you talk about the emotional side of weight loss, there's so many things and so many components to that, whether it's, um, you know, the shame cycle that we feel when, uh, you know, we fell off the wagon. And so then, you know, why did I do that? And that, that shame can kind of perpetuate itself. That's one piece of it. To the antidote to that is being you know, self-compassion and offering yourself compassion as well. And then the whole part about, you know, eating your feelings, which we all do to some degree, emotional eating is a, is a major component. And I have a, a whole chapter on addressing that and, you know, how to allow for your feelings and um, 
also how to learn from moments when you do end up eating your feelings or, or, you know, avoiding feeling, um, avoiding feeling your feelings, uh, by turning to food and how to use that as a, um, as a positive moment instead of, um, you know, a setback. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, listen, when it comes to weight loss, you know, a lot of people do it because they want to make themselves feel better or be in a better emotional state about their psychological self and not really appreciating who they are and where they're starting. But uh, having an appreciation for your self-worth before you start um, your weight loss journey is equally as important. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's not always the easiest thing to have an appreciation for yourself, particularly if you've had messages most of your life um, of, you know, telling you that you're not enough for whatever reason. Um, many of us struggle with that. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at the world today in terms of the weight loss sort of, um, for lack of a better word, eating uh, that is out there when people look for uh, uh, ways to lose weight. How important is it to really block out the noise and come up with a disciplined a sort of approach to, uh, for it to be tailored to you? Because, you know, if you listen to too many people during this journey, you can tend to get off track. So tell me, how important is it to remain uh, disciplined during this process as well? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, discipline is a is a interesting word, and I think that um, I would go back to the word consistency that we mentioned in the in the beginning. That when I'm working with a client, I'm I'm less interested in them following, you know, I don't know macros or paleo or keto or whatever. I'm much more interested in what works for your life. And what feels like a slightly healthier choice that you could live with and you could see yourself still doing five years from now. So it's less about, you know, the hardcore discipline and it's more, let's make a choice that is easy enough for you to be consistent that you can still keep, you know, continue doing it for five more years. Um, so in my opinion, how important is discipline? I would actually reduce the, the intensity of the word discipline. And I would say, make your choices you know, healthy, positive, but easy enough that you can be consistent. So you don't necessarily have to be disciplined. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, one of the um, life philosophies that I live by personally is that the only level of expectations that you have to meet on your own in life and fitness and anything you do, because it's my belief that if you don't have a standard of your own personal level of expectations. It's kind of hard to fill the, fill the cup of other people. So the question as it relates to uh, weight loss is how do we set uh, uh, expectations that keep us accountable at the same token, but all, are also realistic to where we are in our weight loss journey? Yeah, great question. And I would actually answer that with a question to whomever the, you know, the person who's trying to lose weight is, is where, whatever choice you're deciding to make to, to be healthier, 
where is this choice coming from? Is it coming from a place of I'm supposed to, or is it coming from a place of I choose to, because this feels good to me. And any kind of choice that comes from I'm supposed to, it puts you um, almost like in a dichotomy within yourself of there's the dictator who says, you know, you have to follow the rules. And then there's the rebel that's like, but I don't want to. And no matter who wins, part of you is losing. Whereas when you make a choice from a position of, I choose to have this apple or I choose to have this pizza, either way, you are proactively making a choice that is um, in line with your integrity. And it is something that you're proactively choosing for you. Um, and so that that is always something that I ask my clients to kind of check in with themselves on is where is this choice coming from? Is it from a supposed to or because it, or from a, a, I choose to? Yeah, absolutely. And Lizzie, I know that you host your own podcast called the Covenant Body Podcast where you take uh, research of the brain and sort of uh, develop stra- strategies in that regard. So tell me about the podcast and its mission as well. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. It's called the Confident Body Podcast. And in each episode, I start off with a common challenge that we experience, whether it's um, I fell off the wagon or I'm you know, self-sabotaging or something like that. And I explain, here's why it's really normal that we do that. And I explain what's going on in the brain from our evolutionary background, you know, the subconscious mind and the conscious mind, um, from the flight or flight re- reflex, even talk about some neurotransmitters and so forth. Um, but basically... I break down a common challenge that we experience and why it's normal that that this is happening in your brain. And then we move towards, you know, three to four strategies of here's how to address that. And in each episode, we finish with a tiny confident body action step because I'm all about tiny baby steps um, that are doable. And um, I also remind my listeners at the end of each episode uh, to love yourself. And I have a different reason for each episode of, you know, love yourself because... And, you know, something related to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Lizzie, I'm going to ask you to sort of put your global health hat on for a moment and ask you, how as how, how a society or a collective, do you think we can create a society, a society with a, a mission of creating optimal health for everyone involved in societal life. So how do you think we can make optimal health a global mission? Mm. I think it is less about, um, again, it's less about following a specific set of rules. You know, keto does not work for everyone. Vegetarian does not work for everyone. There's each person I think should feel free to um, choose the, eating style, the healthy lifestyle that fits them. But in terms of a global mission, I would start with self-compassion and starting with from a place of, of any kind of health choice comes from a place of love rather than loathe. You, you're choosing to uh, address your health because you care about yourself rather than a, a place of, I, I hate the way I look. And so I want to change it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Lizzie, I'm curious to ask you if you think uh, the concept of empowerment and really taking control of your own life and journey when it comes to weight loss are 
uh, success in your weight loss journey are interconnected? A hundred percent. And I think one of the things that's so challenging about weight loss in the diet industry is that it feels so disempowering. It, it feels like uh, I, I, I failed so many different times. I've tried all these things and I always fail. I always go back to my old habits and it feels hopeless. You know, um, Martin Seligman of, um, of the positive psychology movement has even coined the phrase of learned helplessness that, you know, he's, he observed it in animals, but also in humans is that when we learn that there's no, there's no hope, we give up. And that just to me, wraps up diets in a nutshell that we just there it feels like there's no hope and so i would say empowerment is so crucial to losing weight because you've got to feel like it's possible and so that's one of my main missions in my work is to demystify the weight loss pro process and you know explain why it has been so hard it's not your fault it's you know the, the traditional diet goes against the way your brain is wired let's work with the way your brain is wired and give you that feeling of feeling empowered, like maybe maybe I can make a choice that helps me. Maybe I can be consistent with this tiny thing. And then maybe I can be consistent with a, you know, a little bit bigger thing. And so uh, I would absolutely say that empowerment is crucial to, to weight loss and health. Yeah, absolutely. And just to that point too, Lucy, what do you think is the key to create, uh, creating good, good habits when it comes to weight Oh, the key to creating good habits is lower the bar to success. In other words, instead of asking yourself to eat perfectly, ask yourself to do to eat one vegetable or to you know eat one less uh, serving of dessert. Make make success easier, so that you get that feeling of of a win. Because that feeling of a win, and we can go into the neuroscience of it, but that that positive feeling of like, at least I did something, is literally the fuel that fuels the engine of motivation to help you keep going. So it's so crucial to feel like you're winning along the way. And how is that, uh, uh, since you brought it up, how is that related to neuroscience of our brain as well? Sure. So... Um, in the brain, the neurotransmitter of effort is called epinephrine. And scientists have studied its effects as, as you're inputting effort. So if you imagine I'm putting in effort to adjust my eating habits, the higher levels of epinephrine get, there, there comes a point where it drops off. And that's called the quitting effect. Uh, effectively, your brain is working hard, working hard, working hard. And then it feels like, that's it. There's no way I can win. I give up. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter of reward. It's the feeling we get of like, ooh, I like this. This felt good. And so what uh, scientists have observed is that when dopamine is present, the brain can tolerate higher levels of epinephrine, meaning you can continue your effort longer when there is that feeling of reward. So what that means in our weight loss journey is celebrating those small wins. Like I had a vegetable today you know what, that's a win. Instead of giving ourselves, um, it, you know, instead of striving to be perfect, like I, 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 I didn't eat perfectly today. It is so important to look for the ways where you did have a win because that elevates your, your dopamine and therefore celebrating those wins along the way help you maintain your level of effort so that you can keep going and eventually 
hit the finish line that you're striving for. Yeah, absolutely. And Lizzie, I know that you live in, in, in northern Florida there in Jacksonville, and I, I know from a health and wellness perspective, Florida provides a lot of opportunities with the weather and uh, with, with the number of outside activities and fitness activities to be, uh, to live rather, a healthy lifestyle. So tell me, when you're not working with clients or working to acquire more clients, tell me, how, how do you fill your own cup, cup of sort of uh, finding your inner center in life? Because, you know, uh, Florida provides a lot of great opportunities to live a quality of life. life. So tell me, um, how do you find your inner center in life? Oh, what an interesting question. Thank you. I think first my inner center comes from a spirituality, um, from kind of a connectedness to something greater than myself. Um, in terms of physical health, um, I I get up and, work and exercise each morning, um, not so much to, to try and look better, but, but because I know that my day just goes a lot better if I move my body first. Um, uh, I will say I've, I've never had a workout that I regretted. Um, and so um, I'll get up and um, exercise outside and whether it's just stretching or weights or some cardio um, to keep me moving. Yeah, well, it's important to keep uh, moving. You know, every time uh, I post uh, workout pictures, Lizzie, I, I always end it with a hashtag always active because I think it's important to lead by example when it comes to fitness, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, it, it it really makes a difference. And um, I, I know that, like I said, my day goes happier when I get in some movement and get to lead by example. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, I'm just uh, fascinated for uh, personal reasons. Uh, tell me, why is uh, Jacksonville a great place to be? Why do you like living there? Oh, thanks. Um, well, one of the reasons, my husband was in the military. And so for the first 15 years of our marriage, we lived where we were told to live. Um, so now we get to live where we choose to live. And I love it because I can walk outside my door every day of the year and uh, see the sky, whether it's hot or cool or rainy or sunny. Um, and Jacksonville as a city is, uh, it has all of the amenities of a city, but it's pretty low key. And it's also near the, the water. So it's... It's pretty, it's got a little bit of everything. Uh, well, you know, variety is the spice of life for a reason, right? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, my final question for you this morning has to do with your own personal and professional legacy and how you want that to be defined. Oh, you know, I I think it always starts with, with one person. And if I can make a difference in one person's life, that's the place to start. And then... The next person and the next person and it just has ripple effects on out from there the domino effect right exactly yeah absolutely so listen tell me if people want to get connected with you uh personally with all the good work that you do whether they want to buy the book listen to the podcast or or uh, get in touch with you uh, personally what's the best way they can do that oh thank you the podcast is the confident body podcast available on all of the uh, podcast apps and the book is you are a miracle 
which is on Amazon. And if you'd like to connect with me personally, just go to my website, confidentbody.coach. Well, fantastic. Well, Lizzie, I really want to thank you for the good work that you do to uh, make our world a healthier, fitter, and more happier place. Your work in the space of weight loss and health and wellness is most appreciated. And I want to I sincerely thank you for engaging in conversation with me this morning. It's most appreciated. Oh, thank you, Kevin, so much. And thank you for the work that you do. You, you make a difference.